0: Gentlemen, today we are going to be talking about the winning 2018 Shotgun Contest scenarios, the three winners, the and the uh, Handler's Choice Award. The first one uh, I want to talk about is it. called Rendezvous and Rama.
1: Not to be confused with the classic Arthur C. Clarke science fiction novel.
0: Or it's called Beauties in the Eye of the Holder. So what's important to me in a shotgun scenario is that, in theory, I, I could pick it up cold, read it once, sit down and run it. So what I really appreciate in this scenario, is that it's really well headlined out. All the skills are bolded. There's little bullets about what can happen. It gives you some good things, so I can very quickly find myself where I need to be in this in this scenario document. And I don't want to understand how useful that is. But if you give me... If I look at a, a well-written shotgun scenario that's not formatted like that, it's a lot harder to run.
2: Uh, can I give a counterpoint? The reason why I think people don't do that a lot of bolding and stuff is that i think the instructions that ed gives out are to be as minimalistic as possible with the formatting it's not a matter of like me saying that it's his fault because i think that he does a really really good job on these things but just that when i when i read those instructions um it, basically the focus is to make it as easy, easy as possible to just slip into the wiki because he's basically got to do markup for every single one of these things and so that's why I don't, I didn't do bolding in mine, even though I do bold things in my internal documents for that exact reason.
0: I get the feeling you're right. You're right. He does say that. Um, I think he's more trying to avoid stuff like tables and things that won't copy
2: and paste. No, in. he's no. You're right that you're right that it's not. That's not what he means. But when I read it, I get a different impression. Yeah, exactly.
0: So that's actually a good point. That maybe that's why more people don't do that. But either way, I really appreciate that.
2: It's good. So now that we've got an idea of the why the scenario set up or why, why the, the presentation is is to our liking, uh, what do we think about the content itself of this adventure? Should one of us briefly summarize what it's about? Yeah, go ahead. I wasn't offering to. <laughs> you said that it was very easy when you were reading it to figure out what was happening from one from one run through. So put your money where your mouth is, boss.
1: This actually was on my short list. Let me see if I can find my notes, because I had notes that quickly summarized what it was about. Uh, the scenario starts with one of the agents having shot uh, the, the, um, the 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 character they're supposed to be investigating, which I think is really interesting. It's in media's res as all hell.
2: Okay, so already I see a problem with this. Um, whoever reads the diary will know that performing the ritual on an infected is a bad idea. Diary, time to read, three days. So there's a clue that you functionally cannot get within the scope of the investigation unless you're willing to basically put the actual game on the back burner while you do a deep dive into a descriptive text.
0: Melon, I'm surprised that's what jumped out of you. I, I cuz you you said this before on our on our shows uh that you're not a big fan of scenarios where the fun part of the scenario happens before the players get there. And this play this game kind of starts with the players having already done a bunch of the investigation and the game basically starts you shooting one of the NPCs. Um which I think is bound to cause problems because my first reaction would be, well, but if I'd investigated it the way I want to have investigated it, I wouldn't have got to this point where i have to shoot this guy.
2: There's two ways you can go with it. One of the ways is the way that you're saying, which I have some sympathy for, which is to say, you're putting me in a fucked situation without any power to defend myself. The other half of the, of, of the, the coin, which is the one that I went with in Deep One Wedding, is that if this is the fun part of the scenario... If the fun begins after the first shot is fired, there's nothing wrong with starting there.
0: I think this is almost like a misunderstanding of, of in-media res, although I, I say that I'm going to sound like I'm the arbiter of what is and isn't in-media res, but I'm not, but it, it, it's just my thoughts. But like in-media res, it's not starting with your gun going off as you shoot someone in the face that you had no control over. In-media res, is starting like the car door opens and you step out onto the street and the person you're about to shoot is 20 feet away.
3: Well, why not? you
0: get some some agency.
1: What's the difference?
0: Because you don't have to shoot the person if you don't want to.
1: Well, here's the thing, right? If you don't want to, re-roll an agent who would. Yeah, and you... No, no, okay, 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 well, wait, no. Well, you can always say that
3: the guy O'Rourke shot himself if no one wants to shoot him. Well, because here's the thing. I I 100%
2: agree with your... Framing of that in abstract to say it's the player's responsibility to make that someone someone who will go on the adventure, but if the GM is going to pick an adventure, a shotgun scenario that's meant to be slotted into an existing world, although granted only one of my four does that um, then it is not in fact incumbent on the players to choose someone who will follow this incredibly specific hook like like I, I'm not, it's not my responsibility to bring a character who will shoot a man before throwing him out of an eyeball.
0: Well l- let me use a, a maybe a, a more reasonable example of, of in media res or not in the in the in the immortal eyes of myself. Um like in media res is a plot device design so you don't have to have all the build up where you build characters, you just start it in the action. So in media res is starting the scenario with all the players on the Vietnam chopper, the first bar of in is playing and you're like, you know, thirty seconds in the landing zone. Like not in media rest is starting the scenario as you're bashing the Vietnamese guy's head in and you've shot four or five children already and the whole scenario has gone to shit. That's you, that's too far into the into the action to start at something T- to me.
1: Yeah, um I I guess what I'm getting at is I like this idea of starting from the position from the starting point of you guys are in a very sticky situation and here it is. Uh, I guess my criticism is there's not really there doesn't seem to be any where to go with with starting off the agents as having just shot a uh, shot a rook.
2: No, there's no there's no reason that it needs to be that way.
1: Yeah, if if that was somehow a core conceit of the scenario, if that fed back into later things, if that was what the scenario was about, I think it'd be much stronger. I I, I like it as a set piece. I think I don't think it really adds to the scenario. I think, in fact, for reasons that you guys have brought up, I think it may actually be a detriment because it doesn't it doesn't do anything except annoy the players. And it could, it could be used so much better.
2: I believe that Tom was right, though, I think, to say that you could very easily just say you find him dead because... I think
1: that's the solution, yeah. If if the intent is to have a rook dead so the agents can't interrogate him, then, then the better solution is just to say you find him dead.
3: Yeah, I think I enjoy it, but I think there is a fair criticism. What I like about starting off with you shooting him is that it immediately posits everything as disorienting and dangerous.
1: It pulls you right in.
3: But then it really can't maintain that level of danger for a little while. It becomes more investigative. Well the pro- the problem is that it, it all like you, you start off
2: with a real bang, both literally and figuratively, but then you have to spend the next ten minutes going walking it back and telling the players exactly what happened. Yeah. So you basically get It
3: really cools you off.
2: Get back to where you would have been if you just had them do it themselves.
4: First of all, I don't see how it really brings any real Obviously, it could be beneficial to not put it in, but I don't think it makes any real detriment to the scenario besides perhaps... Th- I like the p- fact that it thrusts the players into action immediately.
1: Oh, yeah, I, I love that. I mean,
4: obviously, there are a lot of other ways you could do this where you could, say, see him about to kill somebody or something like that, but it works for what it is. It doesn't... I don't really see any real deficit it brings to the scenario. So. Yeah,
3: I think it's better to err on the side of... Moving things a little too far ahead and starting in the middle of something really interesting, than to hold back and go through a lot of boring steps to get to something interesting.
2: I have to agree with Her- with uh, Tom here, because all other things being equal, it's better to to start with the good stuff. Because if you put all the good stuff at the end, you're gonna be your players are gonna literally go home before you get to it.
0: Yeah, and I think there's a you know I'm willing to overlook uh, a lot for a shotgun scenario because it's it's a quick. Con style, you know, just kind of cooking dirty playthrough. So, so you know, I can totally understand the the conceits there.
2: So now that we've got the intro, I think more or less out of the way. Um, what's next? We've got uh, we've got this the scenario itself, which it looks like is about the pursuit of a creature that lives inside of a human eye,
0: which is a novel idea that uh, only one of the persons ever thought of before.
2: <laughs> I am actually going to. Uh, circle back and continue my dissertation on the whole tome thing, because this is, uh, I think that tomes, and this is my personal philosophy, I think that a tome that takes longer than the game session to read is useless other than an out-of-game reward for the player.
0: Yeah, and as you mentioned, this tome
3: has information that's very useful in it.
2: The critical information in the tome takes three days to read.
3: Yeah, I think with a tome that takes multiple days to read, you have to distinguish between the information you can get in a quick skim that will help with the scenario.
0: If you've only skimmed the diary, you get a 20% uh, negative to your roll. So obviously you can learn the ritual from skimming the diary. But Melon's right, it's not very clear. I, I read this as, if you try to skim this, you get nothing. If you want to get anything out of the diary, you got to read the whole thing.
2: Well, the question here is, Does does skimming the diary tell you that performing the ritual on someone who is infected is a bad idea. Because if that is game-critical information and it takes three days to learn, I think it's safe to assume that the players are not going to
1: get it. Well, it says it's a bad idea, but looking through the scenario, maybe I'm missing something, but I don't see why it's a bad idea.
0: Oh, if the Sacred Eye is performed on someone who is infected, the creature bursts out of their eye and destroys it with 10% lethality. So you'll basically kill the person if you use the ritual on someone who's infected.
2: You know what would have been a good set piece for this? Do you guys remember the scene in Dead Space 2 where he has to inject the big-ass needle? Oh, Jesus.
1: Oh, boy. But yes.
2: That is so horrible. That would be so, so good for this. Because I think the main problem with that is it is very difficult to mechanically represent in a RPG. Like, oh, I gotta roll sand to keep my eyeball stared directly at this thing so it'll go straight through my pupil. Like, that's not visceral in the same way as watching it happen in a video game and having to guide the needle into your own skull.
1: Something I like about the scenario is it's an investigation that at it's core. It's a bug hunt, but it's not a bug hunt that ha- that necessarily has to be resolved by rolling firearms. Like that's true. In fact, it seems as though the most intuitive way of dealing with uh, the the eye monster seems to be uh, capturing and and securing it. And in fact, that works. Like you could just kill it, uh, but like there's a bunch of really clever suggestions for how
4: the agents might figure out how to capture it. Do they refer to the exact size of this creature? Because it says a lethality twenty per- percent plus. Uh, and any kill radius can kill her easily. I mean, but, it physically uh, exists
3: within the fluid of your
2: eye. Yeah, so basically it's something... It's, it's, you know, shooting it with a gun doesn't work because you're just pushing the vitreous and aqueous humors around with your bullet, but, like, throwing, you know, a thermite grenade on it will kill it because you're completely destroying all the tissue and fluid. So that's that's logically consistent with what he's established here.
4: I was just wondering because it seemed like from what you see when you're infected by the creature compared to uh, how it actually manifests in the real world is different. Well, this is
2: this is something that is always a struggle in Delta Green, is to, to capture the logic of how the creature works. Because there's a logic that's, that makes sense to you, but um, it's di- very difficult to create something that will be intuitive to the players once they've kind of got the hook. And it then leads to the question of, should it be intuitive? Because on the one hand, the idea is that mythos creatures are supposed to behave in unknowable ways and have crazy motivations that don't make any sense. On the other hand, this is an investigative game, and I think it's better if there's more to do than just blasting things. I think trying to understand should be rewarded. But how do you do that in a way that is both thematically appropriate for a horror game, but also does not rely on the players guessing whatever internal logic you have set up so that's that's something that everyone struggles with i think when they when they work at this on this game i think that you can have monsters that have a super clear thematic hook that rely on not rely on but that that use existing cultural touchstones to do their heavy lifting like the amante in um lover in the ice that's a monster that people pretty quickly intuitively grasp because it's uh very simple and direct and because it also uses something that's been well explored in existing media property. I think something like this is a bit harder. So that's that's why I got some sympathy for the guy. That's what I like. And I, I know Kevin that you uh had a very similar design.
0: Yeah, but I mean that's just parallel invention. It's not it's something totally similar in the in the eye ness of it.
2: For those of for those listeners who have not delved deep into the Kevin Hamm mythos, what is what was your take on this? When you did the eyeballs,
0: I, I designed a, a creature that uh, is essentially like an alien that uh, only exists in two-dimensional space, and it can uh, the two-dimensional space it can occupy um, can be the like the lens of your eye. Uh, so it can using light, it can project itself into various surfaces, including your eye. And if it does that, obviously you, it, it's not very it's not very nice when it does that.
1: Our listeners can hear more about that scenario in the episode we've recorded about the last year's annual contest, I believe.
2: Our annual contest,
1: not the Characan contest. contest. Yes, that's well, right. the
0: Night at the Opera annual.
1: The, the Night at the Opera contest, yes, that's right.
0: The Night at the Opera scenario. Or you can look up Operation Sparkplug. I'll put a link in the description. Alright, so that was uh, Ronda and Rama. I always appreciate a good pun.
2: I think I like it more having done a deep dive on it than I did when I first read it.
0: Yeah, I would agree. So the other uh, tie for first place winner was a scenario called Mersey dotes which someone had to explain what that meant to me,
4: but that's that's fine. Oh, what does it mean? I actually didn't know. It's from Twin Peaks. Um, Something, something, Mersey.
0: It's like some rhyme, like Mersey dotes, tons of coats, I'd like to
4: vote or something, I don't know. Wait, I got it. I think I got it. This is Word Salad. It's also a song written in 1943.
1: Yeah, it's Word Salad. So we discussed this scenario briefly on Wednesday's episode.
0: Then I have a question for you. Uh... You guys have run, love, uh, not love in the ice. you guys have run Last Things Last, right?
3: I've played in it, but I haven't run it. I've also
1: not played it. I have run it.
0: All right. Well, people who have run it or played it, what is the most interesting part of that scenario? Uh,
1: the debate about what to do about Marlene.
0: And yeah, and yeah, I think when you phrase it as a debate, I think you're being genuine, generous. i me being very the, generous. Yes, it's the one person screaming at the other person don't open the hatch while the other person's yes. yelling. I'm going to open the hatch, right? I think this scenario was designed to elicit that kind of mo- play moment, but I just I don't know if it ever would.
2: What do you mean it, you don't know if it ever would? It's a me- it's a it's a, a mechanical compulsion effect. I see what you're getting at here where you're asking why would the players out of character give a shit about scub versus anti-scub? But assuming that they're capable of recognizing that their character in this game is subject to a compulsion effect, then they're going to be capable of acting on that impulse. It's the same as how someone in someone in uh last things last might know out of character that Marlene is dangerous and a bad idea but their character is going to do it anyways.
1: Or a more general example about how someone might know that they rolled a 99 on their alertness test, but they will proceed as though they thought they were in the clear.
2: So, Kevin, I'm with you in terms of thematics that I think that if you're going to have the players fight about something, it should be something that they care about out of character. But in terms of would this actually elicit a conflict, yeah, I think it could.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm going to say I think the... the the pro the best conflict that I've had, even like in the last these last scenario, was not it's not when the it's not when the players were meditating it. It's when two of the players genuinely felt it was the right call, and two of them genuinely thought it wasn't, and it was really heated.
2: And you don't think this one can elicit that?
0: Yes, yeah, so I I don't think as a player you're ever gonna fully believe e- either way. Um, I don't think the stakes are as high here. Like with Marlene, the stakes like that could be a, that could be a person, or she didn't give you the. You well, know, the um, intelligence uh, you Ke- Kevin,
2: need. Kevin, it's not
1: steaks, it's mutton.
2: Yeah, uh, thank you.
1: Melon, that was bad.
0: Uh, wow. To so take a quick side tangent, right? One of the things that they call a out side
1: tangent is that more off topic than a regular tangent.
0: He, yes. One of the things that the scenario author calls out is a thing you can notice is that sheep don't poop. But let me ask you this, right? If one of your friends' animals stopped pooping, how long would it take you to notice that?
1: Yeah, it's true. Like it would
0: it would take a long time to notice that, like these sheep aren't. Pooping. I would
2: say I want one. Like getting rid of the shit is one of the main reasons why people don't have animals.
0: And I mean, I say that as a complete nitpick. I think it's it's fine. It's just one of those things where I'm like, I'm not sure how I can work this clue in unless somebody's like super into animals.
2: Because I, I I get what you're saying that it's not necessarily gonna like inflame the passions of the people playing the game. I'm gonna cover, uh, I'm gonna cover for this one and say that. You come out. You should come at it from the other angle, where rather than being about um, something that the players genuinely, in their heart of hearts, give a shit about, I think it's more the other way, where it's very brazenly something arbitrary. That, like, I use the phrase "scub" versus "anti-scub." Out of all the scenarios,
3: and I put the link. Yeah,
2: exactly. We should. We need to put that in the. Uh, the yeah, the will get the there. But uh, out of all the the scenarios that do that this year, and I had a couple that try, I think that this one handles it more gracefully.
0: And so, I know you guys said you talked about it in the last episode, but uh like what's the problem here right like like say you're a delta green uh case officer and you're you're allocating delta green resources, right, so you got like you know uh, a a deep one invasion over here, right yeah that you need a team over there, you got like a bunch of yellow signs over here, okay, yeah, yellow science get a team over there, and then it's like some sheep are big, and people like the sheep, yes yeah, skip like what what else we got i don't, like I'm not sure what draws. Nothing really draws me into the scenario as like a threat that needs to be stopped.
1: Well, I mean, if the sheep just keep growing, then it's possible that one one absolute unit could come to consume all the biomass on Earth. One absolute unit. I'm
2: in
3: awe of the size of that sheep.
1: At the rate this sheep is
2: growing at, most of the matter in the universe is going to be sheep within a couple weeks.
0: So I mean, so I mean, I guess the conceit of the scenario—it's just tough for me to buy into it as a scenario where I see a. a problem that needs to be solved because if the series started with a with 100 foot tall sheep then I could maybe I get it like it's not a 100 foot tall sheep yet it's so, like that's a problem for next week's delta green operators
3: well the thing doesn't start with the thing consuming whole cities it starts with it isolated and you realize oh shit we need to stop this before it becomes a world ending threat
2: no but he's he's saying like why why would we notice that it needs to be stopped at all like who gives a shit
1: well, I mean, I think that's a little beyond the scope of the scenario. I mean, the the introductory paragraph says, you know, some of the research into the into the sheep has like the peer-reviewed stuff has raised some red flags, which, you know, fair enough. Yeah, that's absolutely fair. You're right.
2: Well, the re- the reason why Delta Green gets upset about it after that happens is because the agents start killing each other. Um it shows up it's like it's like how in in The Wire they don't actually give a shit about the the murders, but they give a shit about the stats. Like we're you know three in the we three in the red this this month. It's the same for Delta Green. The handler's like, oh fucking fucking sheep, Who cares? Wait, we lost six people on this. So I see what I see what you're getting at, but I think I think that it's not as big a problem as you as as you might think. Does anyone else have any commentary to offer on this one?
1: Uh, nothing. I haven't said already. This was on my ballot. I actually voted for this one. I I really liked it uh, mostly because I thought the premise was silly.
0: Which is also, I mean. You can get away with that with a shotgun scenario, so... Yeah, you really can. That, that's... You know, I mean, there was one... there is some scenario written by some madman about a deep one wedding.
1: Yeah. Like, not every Delta Green investigation has to be, you know, world-ending, threat-to-all-mankind level of fucking stuff, you know? Could
4: just be some sheep getting bigger. Could just be, uh, in all of the size of the sheep, yeah. Mad fucking lads. I definitely think, obviously, while it has, I think, Kevin's point, uh, while somewhat remedied... Uh, makes a little bit do you wanna, of sense, do you but I think again? it can be no. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, you're committed. All I'm right. committed. I think that it's definitely, it can be solved by, you know, the actions of the people at the office as we've, uh, I don't know if we discussed that or not, where they can become violent with the, uh, agents if they try to harm oh, the sheep yeah, I or see anything like mean, that
1: yeah. you could make it more about the npcs than the the, the, the agents if you don't think the agents are going to buy in
4: yeah the unnatural is about human infection it's about it not getting out to the populace not just in uh destroying the fucking world first of all we don't want these kind of sheep running around everywhere second of all uh the npcs who see that they might think, you know, as they're, if they're getting fanatical, frankly, about these sheep. They might think, "Oh, these people coming in are, are gonna are gonna try to steal my sheep away from me." Better, better, you know, stab them with my my cultist knife.
1: Yeah, I think we might have talked about this in brief on the the other segment, but yeah, no, I I still agree. I think that would be just as compelling a scenario if it was only the NPCs that were under the compulsion effect.
0: So, so you've you've kind of sold me more on the scenario now. So that's good. So I think what. What I would like about the scenario, if, if it was played in that way, is that is that at at a, at a glance everything seems fine. So you get here, you're like, all right, another Delta Green wild goose chase, where they're just overly worried about some you know some texts that or some you know peer reviewed studies that obviously mean nothing. Yep, these guys seem fine. Yep, you have nice sheep, cool. And then you kind of like maybe you start to catch the cracks of like like a like a uh, some some anger between two of the scientists, or whatever. They are like, well, maybe we should stick around, and figure this out. And like, no, no, it's fine. You should you know, you should get out of here or whatever. Like that, that could be a fun, you could slowly, if you trickle that in at just the right amount of uh, of tension, you could really do a good job. And then the sheep would be just like the, the dressing on the side.
2: You guys know that I'm someone who, um, if I find a hook not engaging, if I find it, you know, preposterously boring or whatever, I'm going to have my character act like that.
1: I do, in fact, know this.
2: I would absolutely be the guy who's like, yeah, Agent Agent Jerry wants to leave. Agent Darius says he doesn't give a shit about some stupid peer-reviewed study. They probably just uh, p-hacked it. They probably stuck did studies and stuck them in a file drawer until they got one they liked. And I'm satisfied. They're full of shit, and I'm leaving.
0: I'm leaving as soon as I.
2: And someone and someone could say to and someone could say to me, "Look at that. That sheep is larger than normal." And I would say, "Do you know how many standard deviations larger?" And they'd say, "Well, yeah. no, I didn't take computational statistics yeah. or whatever."
0: And then, and then, as soon as you get to leave, your handler takes you aside and it's like, "You want to go pet that sheep one more time."
2: And then I say, "Are you fucking kidding me, Kevin, maybe I'm maybe I'm on your side now." <laughs>
0: <laughs> we flip flop. That's good.
1: No, uh,
2: so, I'm so. Mel- I'm Mel- being difficult. So what happens is
1: Agent Jerry goes home,
0: and then they give you the, sh- the stab luck of a sheep. Yes, and, you get to play a and sheep. Then you have a wait. rule. no, this do? is
2: this is perfect. I'm I'm like I get to play the sheep, and I you know just go around eating like pellets and shit, and like headbutting people, and then everyone else is like you know firing the like the machine guns at each other and you know, they set the lab on fire and I'm the sheep and I just walk out.
1: That's good. You just walk out never to be heard from again. Cause I get
2: well I get I get your um I get your thing where um you know it'd make the agent who would go on the adventure, but I think that if the hook doesn't engage the player, that's a different problem.
0: So that's Mer Mersey Dots, And let's talk about uh the number 3 scenario the third third place winner here uh, yummy yummy in my tummy i, I do want to say some some nice things about the scenario but i think the the only the worst the worst thing i'm going to say is that i'm more interested in the one large paragraph about the new federal intelligence service that's been invented for this scenario than i am about the actual scenario and that was a red flag for me
1: that's interesting you say that because i would say the opposite i don't i don't actually maybe this is me being hypocritical seeing this how many of my submissions have been epic investigations but i don't actually care at all about the german organization
2: i don't understand why it needs to be in Germany.
1: yeah neither do i i mean other than that you know Hansel and gretel is a is a classic uh you know german folktale like i get that call me dense but uh i didn't actually get that when i first uh read read this scenario somebody had to point it out to me maybe that says more about me than, no that's a than that's a good
2: thing that's a good thing though that is, no, that is a good thing. That's absolutely a good I didn't, thing. I didn't know it was.
0: So this scenario is like eleven hundred words or so. So I think the addition of another three or four hundred words on just some other things that can happen in the scenario, or like an interesting NPC. Like I thought about ha- adding like a like a monster hunter style, like a German monster hunter who just wants to go, you know, fuck these witches up. And, you know, could either be a helper or a hindrance, like, would be interesting.
1: Was the woodsman in Hansel and Gretel, or was that Red uh, Red Riding Hood? I
0: think he was, but even if he's
4: not, it it fits the theming, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'd absolutely Have this, like, you know, hunter guy. The woodsman's the guy who kills the bad guy, right? That's in Little Red Riding Hood.
2: Yeah, in Hansel and Gretel, they were like, the witch witch was like, go in the oven, and they were like, bitch, I have a genius master plan for you, how about you go in the oven? And she was like, you know what, This, this kid's got a point climbs in the oven, and then they they bake her alive.
0: This, this scenario feels like it was written just to introduce the um the new like German Manty Mythos agency, but I, I don't think it does that very well. That's because, like I said, the most interesting part of the scenario for me is, is some of the stuff they talk about in the actual the actual bit about Direct, Directive K, where it talks about how they are broken into sections, and the sections have like wicked low funding. And you're always trying to uh, like even less funded than Delta Green does. You're always trying to really stress your resources. Like that seems interesting. Let me play a scenario where I have to deal with that, because that doesn't that doesn't happen in this scenario. Israel, you don't have, you're not worried about resources. You're not like stretched to the limit, like barely able to deal with this corporal and sloth child, which I think is a great name for a monster. So I wish I'd seen that. You know, don't tell me, show me. I wish you'd shown me that, mm-hmm. and then you'd have a reason to set it in Germany. You'd have a reason to invent this Steemitos Agency. You'd be like, oh, cool.
4: First thing I like about this scenario is. It makes a good introduction, obviously, because it's meant to introduce this new uh, Directive K, this German intelligence service. And I think it works as an introduction scenario in other ways because you could transplant it into any Delta, Delta Green type of operation. You could set this in any type of place where there's a small, small, small village. You could set it in fake Massachusetts. You could set it in a forest in Canada.
0: I think if you could, if you could truly set it anywhere, that it really isn't a good intro scenario. I think those two things are kind of mutually exclusive.
4: It definitely works because although you you can set it anywhere, that means it's a good introduction scenario for anybody because you can you don't have to play it as Directive K.
1: I see what you're saying is it's not necessarily a good introductory scenario for Directive K. It's a good introductory scenario to playing investigative games in the Mythos.
0: I think if you're gonna run it that way, you're relying on the handler to, to invent a lot of the like. There's only like three lines to talk about like in order like, there are several ways to attract the children they don't care they don't really care about the crime scene you can talk to the local news or you can talk to the wildlife police which is good but you're forcing the handler to write to figure all that out based on a couple lines So they again the scenario you had you know the author had three four hundred more words you know give me some give me some investig- investigative hooks that the players could follow
2: so i i referenced you know uh a piece of a piece of a media property that was in a similar space to this. Uh, I'll I'll put a more direct connection. Here's what I would do. I would have it so that the the fat blob child is in like the basement or whatever, or is in the house. One of the witches is still in there. She's like barricaded in the attic or some shit. She's got like a magical ward on the thing, but she can't get out. And so when you get in there, she's gonna yell at you, "Fucking help! There's a monster in the house. It's trying to eat me. Please do something about it." And so, right away, you've got more interactivity. You've got your last things last, maybe a bit too close to last things last style moral dilemma, where you've got a crazy wizard woman that's straight up lying to you about stuff. So, you know, maybe a bit too similar, but it adds some flavor. It uses the elements that are already established in the scenario. That's how I would do it. And the other thing I would do is. This is a scenario that I think does not have a very elaborate gameplay hook. There's not a whole lot of investigative hooks. There's not a whole lot of gameplay with the monster other than shoot it until it dies because it's a big damage sponge. So what you have to do instead is make it stand entirely on atmosphere and uh, tone. I like the scent aspect of it because it means that there's if, if you give the players a way to figure it out, that out, it gives them a very concrete way to react to it because if the monster can track me by smell, then I should smell like something else, If it speci- especially if it specifically smells blood. And one thing that I do like about the monster, although this gets into a discussion about, like, you know, when is it appropriate to use a, a stun or whatever in a game, that it's super fat and slow, so it can't do that much, but one of its abilities is that it might be able to cast fascination. So basically its its hunting strategy is rather than rely on speed or ambush or anything like that or endurance it stuns you and then rolls over you which is great because it's a very effective strategy for hunting one person but a team of Delta Green Agents or you know whatever the hell these things are called, Directive K, it's it could lead to a tense moment where one of the guys, the two people are running away, one of them gets zapped and so one of the guys is running, he turns around his teammate is just standing there staring into space as the blob slowly waddles towards him that's pretty good. Yeah, see? So um, I, I, I I was, you know, a bit critical,
3: but you can do a decent amount of stuff with it. So I have one last thought on this before we move on. Last time we talked about the shotgun scenarios, Melon, you made a point that uh, a lot of times to improve a scenario, you just have to move the pieces around. Sure. With this one, we mentioned that the directive case stuff, you mentioned specifically, Kevin, that doesn't have a whole lot of effect on the plot of the scenario. So I think what might... Be interesting is if you aren't like anti-mythos investigators at the start you're just German federal agents or intelligence agents and you're, you're part of an actual legitimate search for these kids and then you run into all this crazy shit and then your subsequent scenarios, are you guys setting up Directive K and you forming this German anti-mythos group based on your experiences? Tom, I absolutely agree with you. I think it would be a good way to fold people into that sort of thing. I think that the
2: risk with um, the risk with non-agency games is always that the players in character don't necessarily have an incentive to do the right thing. But if you make them part of the search for the kids, that pretty handily takes care of that. And the one thing is that that does require... Um, sprinkling more investigative hooks to draw people towards the uh the thing which is a, a, a deficiency that we've identified but yeah I do agree and I'll say this I don't think there's anything wrong with inventing new anti-mythos agencies because I think that it's as if you make them sufficiently unique and different from regular as delta green to justify their existence good stuff
0: so the this is the first year that uh, the the guy who handles the shotgun scenario contest uh gave out like a Calls it out a Handler's Choice Award, but just his his personal favorite, which I think now that there were like fifty eight or fifty six submissions, that's that's fair. This is called Don't Forget, and and if you only get this, like the, I'm gonna talk about the the little beginning part, I could care the rest of the scenario. I don't I don't care about this first part. Is so cool and so interesting. And I like it so much that I just want to use that in something else. Even if the rest of the scenario was like gold, I just want to use the first part. So the way this works is. You get all your, char- all your players together. They all make characters, and then you swap all the character sheets among them. And then when they start the game, all they know about themselves is what they can figure out from their sheet and from their backgrounds and from like checks and stuff. Which I think is such a really interesting novel idea. It Blew me away the first time I read it.
2: That's a really interesting attitude because we were hitting so hard on Rendezvous with Rama for the same thing. Not like the you same were just thing. you were beating them to smithereens, and not, now you're going to turn around and tell me that you like thing. this. Where not only are you in media res, but you have no memories.
0: So look, look again. Hold on, I'll circle back for a second. The problem with rendezvous and R- R- Rama is that you're put into a bad situation by actions you didn't take as as a player. Whereas in this case, but this is this taken, is the same. You haven't taken any actions yet.
3: Yes, you have. It says you messed up. We're giving you, you one last slot. No, worse things have happened to you in this one.
2: Yeah, like this is empirically a much worse situation because the other one, I'm a federal agent, I have a
3: gun. Your identity has been wiped out.
2: A
1: badge. Not only has your identity been wiped, but you the player have not even created the character are not even playing the character you Yeah, you're to playing to play. a
3: random like like
2: like I, I understand why you like this. I also think it's a really good opening, but I'm i I'm I'm just uh
0: I mean look, the a difference between like the rendezvous and rum one is the decisions are made in the scenario that you don't get to make. These are made in your character's backstory. I, I just feel like that's a big enough difference that I don't find them. I mean, you're right; they're similar, but they're different enough, and one is good and one is not.
2: Can I say what I would do differently with the introduction? Because I also like it. Um, I would I would cut. So it, the the full text of the of the briefing is: "You messed up. We're giving you one last shot to prove yourselves. Take the album from the camp and destroy it. Return here only when you are finished. And remember, ellipses, ellipses. Your memories are in our hands." I would cut it down to just: "Take the album from the camp and destroy it. Return here only when you are finished." I would remove the all their stuff about how they did a bad job, about how the memories in their hands. I think it's tonally not what I want. I don't want the beginning to be someone berating them for something they don't remember. I want the beginning to be cryptic and uncomfortable and scary. So maybe it would even be written in all caps. Just
4: take I definitely I definitely like the creatures. They are definitely creepy, which is something I like. I always like things with, you know, long legs that are semi human but don't actually uh, conform to that
2: I like the setting, I like the creatures I like the uh, introduction
1: I think it's pretty good I like the setup, I like the creatures I do not like the actual scenario itself if there are a bunch of armed guys hanging around, sending cryptic notes to, pe- to agents with amnesia why aren't they dealing with that's creatures? why
2: I wanted the introduction to be less um, punchy and more uh like th- this is spooky. another
1: scenario that resolves itself if the agents do nothing because the heavily armed kill team outside the park will then deal with the problem.
0: So, yeah, like I said, I just, I like the uh, the central idea. I think it'd be cool to work into into a bunch of other types of scenarios. I think this makes for an interesting con slash scenario or slash uh, shotgun, you know, style because everybody gets together, you make making, making your characters, everybody puts their own spin on it, and then all of a sudden, I think I feel this would be great to play with Melon because, like, Melon would make, you know, his lawyer with, with a gun, and then he would end up getting, like, the anthropologist who has no skill in firearms.
2: So here's the thing, if your measure of whether a scenario is good is how much it fucking pisses me off, then (laughs) I can make any scenario good, because I can get pissed off about anything, motherfucker. Melon
0: Bread 2019, I can make any scenario good. You heard it here first, first, folks.
4: Actually, wow, I'm reading over this scenario, this is fucking cool. Yeah, it's it's good. Thank
0: you for reading the scenario. Listen, as we prepare for these uh, days in advance, some of us even seconds in advance, some of us even while we're recording.
1: I mean, it's, it's cool except for one part of the framing device, which really rubs me the wrong way.
0: And I will say, if, uh, if you wrote one of these scenarios and we were harsh, remember that you got almost half of, a, or a little more than half of 100 people from the internet to think your scenario was good. So we're just five people, so please take it with a
1: grain of salt. Hey, Dole, did you write a shotgun scenario this year? I did indeed. Would
4: you like to discuss it for the listeners? Uh, yeah, sure. I'll bring it up here. I wrote Operation Peak Dole, or Camp Fairfield. Basically, the premise of the scenario is heavily intertwined with uh, the uh, canon of the Delta Green universe. The scenario takes place in Fairfield, Vermont, where, in 2001, uh, one of the leaders of Delta Green at the time died in a uh, battle with NRO Delta goons, Uh, and i thought to myself, there is another short story where these kind this house is still out there across the uh across the river, and there's a couple of short stories involving it, so I thought it'd be cool to write a scenario about uh the programs uh the director's been waiting for seventeen years for an opportunity to investigate and uh that has come when uh it is set to be demolitioned in a few days by the company who owns the property. So, the uh agent's goal is to grab as many artifacts as they can from uh down in the cabin, haul it off to coral nomad so they can bring it back to the house
1: um so there's two things I like about the scenario uh, the first is that it's there's there's a lot of really, there's a lot of cool stuff in the can of delta green uh and there's very few ways for players to actually interact with it. This is a way for players to interact with the can in the history of Delta green in a way that is very rarely seen. I like that another thing I like about this is. I fucking love go through the green box and open up all the drawers and see what's in it, and oh god, oh god, that that's fun. I like that. So that right
2: there, pretty cool. I would have liked to see a more voluminous list of fun trinkets to put in the house.
1: I was just going to say that, yeah, I think I could have used some more wild and wacky things. Because every
2: every shotgun scenario says look at the green box generator. I've been looking at the green box generator for like 10 years now, man.
1: If, if I wanted to just look at the green box generator, I would do that instead of looking at a shotgun scenario. Give me some cool things to play with. If I had the room, I would have put it in. Well, that's a fair thing. Like you don't. You, the question with the, with a shotgun scenario is, if you wanted to add some, what would you cut, right? Like uh, I I wanted to add some more stuff about like uh, in in my shotgun scenario, the Midnight Sun. Some more stuff about the terrain surrounding like the wreck, the the, the bards and stuff. But I mean, well, I didn't know what to cut, so I couldn't.
4: I really ran it thin here at f- fourteen hundred ninety eight words, trying to figure out what exactly I could. Uh, Put in and what exactly I could take out. Yeah, you packed a lot in. I think you did pretty good with that.
2: The, The whole point of this thing is to be a dungeon crawl to go down into an area full of weird, wacky shit and pull out the the treasures. And I think the problem with that is that that is the most exploration is the most content intensive thing that you can write for an RPG because it content that you write that the players are exploring, moving through, is consumed faster than anything else relative to the amount of effort it takes to create.
1: Yeah, and that's something we've talked about in the show before.
2: And in a shotgun scenario where you are strapped for word count, it is even more difficult, because not only are you dealing with the difficulties of creating a lot of content that could potentially be burned very fast, you're also doing it with a strict limit on how much you can include. So a dungeon crawl, what does it have? It has traps, it has exploration, it has secrets to find, and I think that's a hard format to really hit on when you're word count limited. I do like the stuff that you find at the very bottom, but I think that in, the stuff in between is not up to that standard.
4: I would say, would, do you think I crammed as much into it as I could have? Was there anything I could have changed that would have made? If you if you different? get it, if
2: you go down that rabbit hole, you're going to be thinking forever. Like, well, I can, I you you can endlessly cycle out like words for other words, essentially, or content for other content, and you'll never know if you arrive at the right thing.
1: What I will say is, I think uh, this scenario would benefit. Um, being expanded into a full scenario. I think it, uh, yeah. it would be stronger as a non-Shotgun scenario where you didn't have the word count.
2: Kevin, um, everyone every one of us now has talked about either a scenario we wrote or a scenario we liked, except for you. You have not given us what what um Kevin Hamm's choice of the 2018 Shotgun Scenario Contest is.
0: I don't know what I'd pick.
2: Now who's not prepared, motherfucker.
0: Look, I read the four scenarios that we decided to talk about days ago, all right? I was ready to talk about them. Can't make up a new new things and ask you to know them off the top of my ass
1: i mean we all read 58 scenarios three weeks ago so we could talk about five of them
0: and some of you did that was a good episode